You are now listening to the Actors Business Network with Elena Joy. For more, visit theactorsbusinessnetwork.com. Hey guys, welcome back to the Actors Business Network podcast. So today we have another jam-packed episode full of all things industry-related. But first, let's start with a question. So do you know who you can go to if you're being bullied, harassed or underpaid within the industry? I'll give you a couple of seconds to have a little think. If you said equity trade union, you would be correct. So today we are talking to equity rep Stephen Spence on how an equity membership can protect performers and creative practitioners across the industry. What we're trying to do is we're trying to get as much information as possible out to actors who have perhaps missed the boat in terms of um, industry advice. Because of course, at a lot of drama schools, I was really lucky with my drama school, we got informed a lot about equity and we got told about it um, immediately in third year I think that we all joined um, and then since working on jobs and things like that people have said oh you're part of equity oh no well I did it for a bit and then I dropped out and it's like well yeah 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 no, I'm sure I you noticed- hear a lot of that <laughs> yes yes and I noticed you went to East 15 <laughs> yeah fantastic school um, I like to think that they've still kept the core of it as well we still yeah. do things like live in history and a lot of things that were developed in the early in the early days of um, East 15. So although I'm not acting anymore personally, it was an amazing experience. Like the school itself was brilliant for sort of setting you up for the industry. So you just gave up, did you? Well, I was on tour and my fiance <laughs> was at home and I had an evening where I was just sort of like, I wanted to be at home having dinner with him more than I wanted to be on tour to be quite honest Um, I love the industry like in terms of working as an actor and things like that but the lifestyle of it I think you know I got to a point where I just wanted to I guess settle down and something I never predicted that I would want I'm right and um, what about you how did you Uh, end up working for equity and well, I did about I did about a decade, you know, as an actor and a stage manager, right? And, um, Ireland and, and Britain and then Australia. And, oh wow! Uh, yeah, and um, I mean, eventually it was the number of uh, credit card bills that you thought you couldn't quite pay or the unpaid tax bills. So over in Australia, the the union uh, used to recruit what they called equity deputies that were like shop stewards, right? And, um, they would get you to come in and become an organizer and they'd train you up to become a union organizer. So somebody suggested it to me. I went to a community theater conference one time. There was a union official out and they said, why don't you come and work for us, stage management and acting? You should have the perfect blend of skills. So yeah. Uh, so I did. I went and worked for the Australian uh, union. And I remember my first day, there was this pile of files of about 25 files on my desk. And I said, what are those? Is it? Oh, those are the national wage cases. You've got to go and do them. <laughs> <laughs> What's that then? Oh, well, you better, you better find out. You know, you've got a job. So I went and found out that the metal workers took a case to the commission and they got awarded an increase and it was the industry standard. And you could then go and roll that increase. So it was a 4% increase. You could get that rolled into the Actors Theatrical Award, Actors Feature Film Award, and actors would get their their wages increased. Um, and so I learned how to do all of that with the with the union in Australia. So um, yeah, I've worked for equity for 35 years now in wow. Australia and in the UK. And I'm retiring at the end of the month, which is why I think 
they thought I might be a good person to come and uh, tell you a bit about it, you know. Wow, congratulations on your retirement. I hope you enjoy it. (laughs) Hopefully COVID will end soon so that you can really sort of like actually do things with your free time. Yes, well, I hope so. So, yeah, it'll be a bit of a shock to the system after being so intensely involved for so long. But, you know. What are you hoping to do with it? I, I have I don't well have a sleep for about a month is what I think, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, work out what I'll do. You know, I'll, I'll probably return to Australia, but the timing of that I'm not I'm not sure about yet. And um, yeah, apparently people do things called hobbies that they do. Well, I I always did the theatre, so I worked in the theatre, and that's all you did, as you, as you just expressed. Um, and then as a full-time official, it's, it's, it's like entering the monastery, you know, you enter and, and you don't leave for 35 years. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure I'm going to have all this time that I've got to fill. So <laughs> start some hobbies, <laughs> yeah, start some hobbies, find out what normal people do. <laughs> Brilliant. So can we start off by just really talking about what equity is for those people that don't have a clue? Um, yeah. I've heard the name thrown around, but sort of don't really know what it is. Yeah, well, the, the, the simple version is equity is a trade union. And once upon a time, you didn't need to say anything more than that. But these days you need to go on and say, and a trade union is. You know? <laughs> so it's an organization of, of workers, you know, in our case, uh, creative workers and the workers come together and you pay a subscription and that subscription then pays for offices and photocopiers and um, officials like me, computers. Um, So thank you very much for the 35 years that you've kept me going. (laughs) And in exchange, what we then do is we're able to negotiate agreements and and contracts and rates of of pay um, that ensure a a, a minimum. in the sectors where we have what you call recognition. There's a whole convoluted process by which the union needs to be recognized to be able to do that bargaining. So in theater, film, TV, in the mainstream areas, the traditional areas that have been around for a while, we have recognition, we've got bargaining rights, we can get um, agreements. So for example, in the West End, one of the big things that I did when I joined Equity in the UK was I got the rates in the West End pushed up. Um, when I started, it was about £381 was the minimum. We got that up to 400 But a lot of actors in those days used to get money that was above the minimum. And we were getting more and more reports of that money being shoved down towards the minimum. So I was asked to look at it when I came into Equity. Um, I examined it and decided we needed to shove those minimums up because mm. if, if the wages were falling and we pushed the floor up, yeah, then yeah. people would have more um, affordable wages, particularly to live in London on £400 a week. And I'm talking about 2008. You know, I mean, mm. that's, not, that's not easy. So we ran a big campaign and, and only a union can do this. We, we got people together. We had mass meetings. We went out and met all of the cast. We met the the deputies who are the performers or the stage management or the creative team member, because those are the people that we represent who worked in a particular company. And there, the deputy is kind of the conduit between 
the union offers and the cast and 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 stage management and creative team and we i think uh were given a final offer by the employers which we rejected i think a final final offer which we rejected i think <laughs> I think we got on to the final, 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 final offer by the time we uh, locked and we got increases in the minimum of between 12 and a half and 50% on the minimum rate of pay. And wow. um, we managed to do that by negotiation. We didn't take industrial action. People will often hear of groups going out on strike and they say, well, what do they do that for? You know, are they just disrupting the economy? Well, of course, strikes do disrupt the economy. Yeah. But the other thing that they do is if engagers will not uh, uh, talk to you in a, in a meaningful way, you put pressure on through industrial action because one of the few things that a worker has is their labor and withdrawing that labor can put pressure on. So those increases, it depended. We tiered the systems, sort of small, middle, large theatres. Uh, we got a payment for uh, Sundays eventually. Um, that's quite an interesting story yeah. because we wanted an extra 50 pounds if you did a performance on the Sunday. And um, the engagers had said, uh, look, we're giving you such big increases. Sunday performances need to be included. And we said, no, it's a day the one day in the week in fact when our people get any chance to be near their families and, and so forth yeah. because we've worked a six-day week most of the rest of the world stopped the six-day week a hundred years ago but not us <laughs> we keep going <laughs> yeah. so we said so if you're going to work sunday we want some money and and they would not budge and it was the last item and at one stage in the discussions because lots of people had offered to help but uh ian mckellen had offered to help and um, when someone like Ian, who's, who's very busy and obviously has that superstar status, offers to help, you, you, you use that quite sparingly. So I um, rang him up and said, look, Ian, you've offered to help. Thank you very much. We've got this one issue of Sundays. Do you think you could help? And he said, well, what do you want me to do? I said, well, I'd like you to come on our next negotiation. I'd like you to explain to the employers why you, you think working on a Sunday um, should have an extra 50 pounds attached to it. So he came along, he walked in the room. So of course all the employers are chattering away to each other. So, you know, he walks yeah. in, Yeah. they stop, you know, they all turn around, they're looking at him. Oh, hello Ian, how are you? Cause he knows them all, you know, he's worked for most of them. And we start and he, he was brilliant. He says, uh, um, I, I'm terribly sad to, to to know that if I were to work for you on a Sunday, you, you could not see your way clear to pay me 50 pounds more. You, you've been so wonderful to me over so many years. You know, I, I wouldn't want to be on an equity picket line holding a placard saying 50 pounds more, but I feel I must, you know. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so the other side called an adjournment, you know, and um, then I got called outside and they said, all right, okay, we take the point. You, you've, you've got it. You've got it. So the, the, the Sunday payment that we got in the West End agreement, which sadly just recently we, we've had to um, put on ice because of the COVID situation to yeah. try and get productions back. Ian McKellen was the man who, uh, who did that. He, he, he was the person who provided that extra bit of oomph 
that got yeah. us across the line. And, and that's what a union is. It's a community of performers, whether you're the, the understudy or whether you're the, the, the big star, you know, you're all playing your role, trying to improve things for, for equity, equity members. That, that's, what it, that's what it's about. So if you are an actor who isn't in a big show, how would they go about using equity? If for instance, the show isn't already using equity rates, is there a way that they could still use um, equity, get in contact with you guys to double check sort of um, industry standards if they are a, a member? Yeah. yeah, yes is the short answer. So we, we have rates throughout a lot of the industries. So say in, in theater, West End, subsidized theater, commercial theater, independent theater, which tends to be the smaller companies, but we even have a fringe agreement. Um, the fringe agreement's based on the national minimum wage. Members who work in areas that aren't on equity contracts, back in the olden days, when there used to be a closed shop when we were the British Actors Equity Association and, and, and rather more, more posh than we are today. <laughs> if, you, if you weren't on an equity contract, then it wasn't in our jurisdiction and we, and we wouldn't touch it. Right. Um, but over the years, you know, I think the union has democratized a lot and has become a lot more progressive. And certainly my experience starting off in Belfast, I, I worked for the first number of years um, in, in productions without an entry equity contract, you know, um, on profit shares and, and whatever, as so many people do. Yeah. So um, the first thing is we can assist anyone with their contract and, and do. There's quite a few disputes that end up getting taken to court about the status of the performer, whether they are actually a worker, which means you're entitled to the national minimum wage, or quite often what some unscrupulous producers will do is they will set up a cooperative that is not really a cooperative, it's not really a profit share because the producer is in control and they will seek not to pay because there will be at the end a split of the profits. But of course, when it comes to the end, there are no profits because wow, yeah. the, the expenses were, were, were so high. Now we've had a number of cases like that go to court. And on most occasions, on most occasions, the judgment is actually that performers are workers. They fit the legal definition. And if you're a worker, you're entitled to at least the national minimum wage. So we have recovered a lot of money um, for performers. We've also, with the fringe agreement, because we try to pull those producers into at least using the fringe agreement. I mean, frankly, you know, in the national minimum wage, if you can't afford to pay that, you've got to have a question mark about why you're bothering to produce. Mm. You know I mean? It's not really a professional production, is it? Unless it's a group of actors together doing a cooperative, which is, which is quite different. Yeah. And in fact, when I worked in Australia, um, the legal system over there used to actually take the view if you could not afford to pay the award wage, which is what they called it there. Then when the employers came and said, oh, well, well you know, we can't afford that. That's far too much. The, the, the actual arbitration commission would say, well, you shouldn't be in business then. Yeah. If, you, if you can't afford to pay frugal comfort, which is what they called it, to your worker, you know, you should not be running a business because you're, you're economically unviable. So, so even if, <coughs> excuse me, even if you're not on a standard equity agreement, <coughs> the union can help. And what the union gives as well is it gives a connection and network to other people. I mean, we have <coughs> formal committees inside 
the union of, um, say, dancers, or um, we have networks of, of models or children's entertainers. We have committees for stage management. And mm. you, through those committees, meet others who are um, working in the area that you're working in. Because so much of this business, as I think you know, is connection, who yeah. you know, what the links are. I mean, you can be the best actor in the world and never used. Yeah. Because you haven't got the connections to get you there, you know. So through the union, both in terms of looking after your own um, industrial interests, economic interests, the networks and connections that we provide in building those communities. You know, some people talk about the equity family. I, I tend to stay clear of that because a lot of families I know are fairly dysfunctional. But can, <laughs> the community, the community. The equity community and the community of, 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 of creative workers, which is what we are. So, yeah, whether you're at the top and, and the interesting thing at the top, you will quite often get people who reach a certain level and they think, oh, well, you know, I am sufficiently well known now. I don't need the union anymore. Well, that was very interesting until such time as there was a big problem with um, HMRC, you know, the tax people. Yeah over the status of, of, of companies and, and big tax bills being um, levied on uh, performers because there was a question mark over the tax status. And some of the big powerful accountants who these performers had, so of course the performers think, well, my accountant will, will, will get me sorted with HMRC. Well, in many cases, the accountants couldn't get in the door to meet with HMRC. Mm they ended up coming to, to us, to the union, because we've got a sort of institutionalized positioning within the industry, within society. And it means we can get indoors that other people can't get in. So whether you're right at the bottom of the industry, starting out, you know, walking on, you know, doing small roles, or whether you're a megastar up the top, I mean, there, there, there is a, a role the union can play in helping you and assisting you and assisting making the, 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 the community of creative workers stronger. Yeah, absolutely. So how do people join equity? Do they have to have been to a drama school? Do they have to have a certain amount of credits? Well, again, back in the olden days, when we had a closed shop, it was very, very uh, difficult to join. You couldn't work without a union card, but you couldn't get a union card unless you qualified to join. And the criteria was very, very strict. And I, I remember in, in Belfast working on Paddy Scully's puppets back in 1980. I was earning 50 pounds a show, two shows a day, five days a week. So I was earning 500 quid, which back then was big money. And I, I couldn't join equity because it wasn't on a standard equity uh, contract. Wow. It, was, it wasn't with a uh, theater that had an agreement with the, 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 the union. Now, all of that's changed now because, as I say, there's been a growing awareness that the union needs to be for everybody. It needs to have the ability to assist everyone. So if you went to a recognised drama school and you graduate, that is still one way of entering the industry. If you are issued a, a standard equity uh, contract, so you work on one of our standard contracts, again, um, there, there's certain rules about how many and all the rest of it I won't go into, but again, you can enter that way. But the simplest way, if you have done professional work and earned 
And very strangely, the amount you need to earn is £500, that amount I was earning every week in 1980 when I, I couldn't join the union. You need to earn <laughs> £500. You can show that you have earned £500 professionally uh, as a performer, a stage manager or a creative team member, then you can join the union. Would that be in one job or could that be across multiple jobs? Um, it's across multiple jobs and the time period is uh, f flexible. Um, so if you in recent times, it's probably the best way of saying it, can show that you have earned 500 pounds across um, a number of jobs, then you're in, you're a professional performer. So we, 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 we don't take anybody because obviously there's a thriving amateur scene in, 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 in arts and, and cultural areas. Um, so we, we, don't, we don't join you if you are an amateur. We are a professional union for professional performers, but that 500 pounds, if you've earned that, you can join the union. Yeah. And you should always be protected by equity, even if you do have an agent, because obviously agencies run on a separate, they're, they're doing their own thing, actors are doing their own thing. And obviously, if you get your own work as an actor, then there can be a crossover between the agency that equity can help with, if yeah. I'm right in saying. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, if you have an agent, it doesn't mean you don't need an accountant. So if you uh, have an agent and an accountant, it doesn't mean you don't need Spotlight. So yeah. if you have an agency, an accountant and Spotlight, it doesn't mean you don't need equity. Now, you know, for people who don't earn a lot of money, that's an awful lot of things to be paying for. I completely yeah. understand that. But for example, our relationship with the agents, because we um, work very closely with the um, Personal Managers Association and, and the cooperative uh, PMA. Um, so what we deal with is the minimums, minimum rates of pay, minimum terms and conditions, the agreements, we do the bargaining in a collective sense because only a trade union by law can do that. And then what the agents do is they negotiate over and above the minimum additional terms, you know, get you the job in the first place. We, we are not a, 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 a recruitment agency. So, so the, 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 the agents will find you the work. Um, but then, say, in film and TV, the repeat and residual structure, so if you're, you get paid for making the film, but you also get paid if it's repeated, you get paid if it's sold into another market, and all of those negotiations are done by the union, um, and those uh, rates, the percentages and so forth on our contracts is what the agents will then um, attempt to build on. You know, you can get better deals, but you can't get worse deals. So... Right. We, if you like, are there at ground zero, ensuring that there is a, a bottom line below which you are not supposed to, to, to go. So for example, if you get offered a buyout contract, which we will always recommend our members not to sign, um, it's the union that will go in and do the work of sorting that problem out if you're offered a buyout. The agents may alert us to the fact that there's a buyout contract being being handed around, but it's the union will do that negotiation rather than the agent. But, you know, if, if you're cast in a leading role, whether you get a car, whether you get extra coffee, you know, the agent <laughs> does all of that stuff. Not not us. We, we do. We do the basic. Yeah. Fabulous. And what about um, 
bullying and harassment and those sort of things so if an actor is on set and is having a problem with I don't know a director or whoever it might be does equity play a part in that? The union has done a lot of work on that you know forever in the sense that the bullying and harassment allegations that will come into us are treated like any other industrial matter and they will be taken up by the union organizer with the engager. So on what we would call personal cases, um, matters will be taken forward in the legal framework. But we've also done a lot of work with our Safe Spaces campaign um, in order to get a culture change in the industry that was coming off the back of the huge sea change that the Me Too movement managed to right. push forward and those very courageous um, uh, actors in, in, in America um, who were prepared to take on um, Harvey Weinstein and, and others because for many, many years, the reason matters got dealt with sort of on an individual case basis was because there was a fear that if you took on the, the, the great and the powerful, that your career would be finished, that you would never work again. So people tolerated a whole lot of things that were completely unconscionable. So for the union, we were only able to deal with those things as legal cases when they come up. And, and you'll have seen from the stuff you've seen in the media and so forth, yeah. legal cases are very blunt instruments in, in terms of trying to, to sort anything. Um, I remember years ago, an old trade union official said to me, celebrate every victory you have, son, because the system is built to make sure you don't have any. You know, <laughs> so dealing with things legally um, has, has got um, um, a limited uh, ability to change things. But that huge change through the Me Too movement, and then built on by our equality committees, the, the women's committee in per particular, where female equity activists have been very involved in that, um, in terms of the structure of the industry and how th uh, things are done, the development of intimacy directors and intimacy coordinators. Yeah. And we've worked very closely with a body called Intimacy Direction um, UK, they were called, I think they're called International now. And, and yeah. we've worked with them as they've established their guidelines and protocols that they've been putting in place and our committee members and our officials have worked with them. So whether it's on a broad front of trying to deal with bullying and harassment um, as it comes up in personal cases, or um, it's trying to deal with a, 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 a cultural problem in the industry, again, yeah. the union is involved in that. Now, you know, to different degrees of success, um, the other bullying and harassment that people can face quite often can be because of one of their protected characteristics. You know, black workers suffer badly. LGBT workers can be discriminated um, against. You know, women quite quite clearly can be discriminated against. And again, our committees in these areas have been very active and involved. It's not easy. Um, but nevertheless, the union's there, the union is involved, and the union tries to move things forward. Brilliant. No, well, thank you so much. I think this has been invaluable completely because 
not only have you explained everything that is essential for actors, but you've given a very clear reason why people do need to join equity and, you know, um, take advantage of what's being offered, really, especially considering how much equity itself has developed over the years and how much now there's so much more of a movement, so much, you're, you're so much more able to help. So it really is, I think, completely essential that people do join and um, see it as spotlight see it as um as essential as an agent as essential as um your accountant and all those things that have to happen and the additional thing with that is although and it is another expense of course uh, actually how much is equity at the moment for actors um the minimum subscription has just gone up um it was 136 quid i can't remember what it's gone up to in the first of january it's just gone right Forgive me as I'm going out at the end of this month. My mind doesn't turn to that matter as much <laughs> details. Yeah, no. But for example, um, even in another area where people are much more self-employed, so some of the traditional um, trade union functions are, are not as clearly in evidence, say in the variety field, mm. where people have their, their act, your membership comes with 10 million pounds of public um, liability insurance. So if you've got an act that you're putting on and the employer requires um, that in insurance, it's there. The other big issue has been the tax um, status and the tax status. Um, we've gone through a big exercise, which HMRC over the last couple of years, because obviously governments are after tax revenue and because uh, the pattern of our people's work is sometimes similar to that of an employee and sometimes similar to a, a self-employed uh, person, then the tax status has been um, questionable. Now, back in the 90s, there was a big case called West McGowan, which established that um, performers in particular, but also stage management and others were... Uh, self-employed for tax purposes, but they were pulled in by a set of regulations to employment status for national insurance purposes. Right. So for many years, class one national insurance was paid, um, but tax was self-employed. That was changed. And in the wake of that change, it completely um, confused what the status was. I mean, the status is now, we've now got this firmly established, self-employed for tax and national insurance and benefits purposes. But as a, as a worker, you were a worker for employment law purposes. And this is weird because people will say, well, how can you be more than one thing? <laughs> well, you can, because there's tax law, there's employment law, and in fact, there's pension law. And in each one, depending on your circumstances, you can be a different thing. So we were successful uh, by the middle of last year, finally getting this clarification from HMRC that performers in almost all circumstances, they are self-employed for tax, national insurance and benefits purposes. Now, for somebody like a variety artist, can you imagine mm -hmm. if you're doing a gig singing yeah. in a club on a Friday night and you've got to somehow organise pay IYE tax and you've got to organise class one national insurance and then the engager's got to pay, you know, over 13% of national employer, employer national insurance contribution. I mean, 
how's that going to work? It's not going to work. It works that you're self-employed, you get paid, you do your tax return at the end of the year, you can claim like other businesses can your, your expenses off your, your tax. And quite rightly, people have to buy sound equipment, people have to buy costumes, people have to buy props. And why should you not be able to take those off as legitimate business expenses that, that they are? So um, getting that clarification means even in the variety sector, where people will always say, yeah, but, but we are, we are uh, self-employed. And, and they are. In my world, self-employed workers is what yeah. they are. So this hybrid that most of our people are is not recognized by most legal frameworks. So it ends up being the union that does the work explaining to people, this is how it works. This is how it needs to work. And yeah. the government, HMRC and others will listen to what we say. And like I say, we can get in the door sometimes yeah. when the highly paid accountants can't. And we spend our time sorting this stuff out. So when, when people say, well, what's equity ever done for me? I mean, there's actually quite a long list. And um, you wouldn't drive your car without insurance. Um, so why would you go to work without insurance? And while I don't like people to think of us as, as an insurance company, we yeah. have that insurance function that we, we carry out. So not only do we build community, not only do we network people, link people, negotiate, you know, we're a horse trading organization, but we also provide an insurance in the broadest sense of the, 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 the word to people in their, in their working lives. That, that's, that's what we're about. And it's always worth checking as well. If you're not sure to give you guys a call to find out, send an email, um, just to find out if it is something that you can help with, because ultimately the worst that's going to happen is you're going to say, sorry, that's not our field. Yes. <laughs> um, potentially try this direction or try that direction. It's, um, it is the nature of sort of a community to, to, be, to be helpful, to be there for, for other people. So I think it is always yes. worth like for actors to be contacting you guys just to find out if you can help <laughs> in any way. Yes. Well, we, we, you know, if we can't help, we will signpost you to somewhere that can. Um, and our organizers go out of their way to try and find a way of resolving something if they, they can. You know, we, we, we are not um, in, infallible. We, we cannot do everything. There yeah. are some things um, by law we are not allowed to do. For, for example, whilst I... Uh, was responsible for the exchange agreement between Broadway and the West End and also Australia and the UK and would be uh, heavily involved in the negotiation of, of contracts and of the arrangements that allowed performers to go backwards and forwards between the two countries. Um, the one thing by law I'm not allowed to do is I'm not allowed to give immigration advice. Right. Immigration advice can only be given by a duly qualified immigration lawyer. Right. So there will be occasions where I can give advice or any of our officials can up to a certain point. And then beyond that, um, specialized advice needs to be obtained. Now, under legal protection, which we also provide to members, you can get legal uh, help and assistance up to representation in court from solicitors and barristers paid for by the union. It's not um, universal. You, you can't get it on everything. Um, and uh, immigration and, for example, defamation cases are two things that we do not extend legal protection on. But even if we cannot give it, 
again, we can refer you to very um, knowledgeable professional practitioners who might be able to, to, to assist you. I, I, I helped a, a member um, the other day who, because of COVID, was not working in our industries because, as you know, the work in our industries closed yeah. for a lot of last year. Uh, recorded media has been coming back, but many of our members had to go off and work in other industries, and she had a, a problem in another industry. Um, now, um, we, we cannot help because of insurance reasons and so forth in industries that are beyond our specialism. Mm-hmm. But what I was able to do is I was able to refer her to a, a, a lawyer, basically on a no win, no fee basis, yeah. to look at the problem that she had and uh, get that taken forward. Now, you know, maybe she could have found a no win, no fee lawyer herself, but it would have taken her months yeah. because, you know, we have the links, we have the connections. You know, somebody tells me their problem, I can go, so-and-so could take care of that. Yeah, I could refer that over here. So even if it's not something that comes directly under our jurisdiction, we can give some kind of assistance. And even if you're not part of equity, can you can people call you and find things out or should they join equity first? That's the one bit where we draw the line. (laughs) (laughs) If you rang up and you weren't a member of the union and it was clear you're working in the industry and you've been to drama school and you either just didn't get round to it or you didn't understand how important it was, we will, of course, give you some initial thoughts on what you've got. But to get assistance, you know, the only place we get money from is member subscriptions. You know, people think we're funded by the government. We're not, you know. We might occasionally get a grant for training or something of that nature from a government program, but our core funding comes from members. You know, other people think, the employers pay for us. Um, they, they don't. We are paid for by performers putting their hand in their pocket and paying that minimum subscription, at least. If you earn more in the industry, you, you pay more, but you, know, you pay the minimum subscription. And that's how we keep going. So our entire turnover, what is it? Six and a half, seven million, you know, performers pay for that. Stage managers pay for that. Creative team members pay for that. So when it goes beyond just that initial advice, um, no, we won't do it for nothing. A lot of performers get a lot out of us for nothing anyway, because the truth (laughs) is when we negotiate an agreement, if you're in the union or not, everybody in that cast is covered by the terms of the agreement. So, you know, the, um, the, the benefits the union provides in lots of areas, people will get the benefit from, but direct advice, direct cases, you need to pay your subscriptions uh, for that, yeah. as, as I have done um, in the union since 1983, both the British Union and the Australian Union. And I've, I've been a member. I'm one of the few officials who's also been a, 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 a member, which um, is, is important because the union needs people. If everybody coughs up a bit, yeah. we've got enough to look after people. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think that is you know, crucial. People need to join. They can't be sitting on a subscription for, you might not need it one year and then the next year you could need it like desperately. So yeah. it's not something that you should, it's like you say, I, I, in, I know that you said don't term it as an insurance, but in terms of insurance, you don't, you know, uh, have health insurance if you live somewhere else for a year and think, oh, you know what, this year I need to save money because that could be the year that you really need it. 
So yeah. it's just worth setting that aside, having that money and just knowing that this is actually, you know, not something you're going to need every single day, but ultimately it's there to protect you when you do need it. Yeah, you, you, you pay it. And what you hope is you never have need of it in your entire career. That's what you hope. But the reason you pay it is that if you do have a problem, it can be resolved. Or if somebody else has a problem that tomorrow could become your problem, it gets fixed when it's somebody else's problem before it reaches you. The only people who really care about us are us. Yeah. And, you know, that includes the producers. I mean, we have mighty rise with the producers let's not pretend but at the end of the day the theater the film and the tv producers care about these industries in, in, in a way that you sometimes struggle to get across to sections of government so if we weren't there lobbying and we and we got a policy document called performance for all which is kind of how the world would look if we ran it you know you'd have theatre companies in every town, dance companies in every village. You know, unfortunately, we don't run the world, but we, <laughs> we also lobby the government with those things. And, and like we're busy now trying to sort this question of the visa um, yeah. after, after the, the threshold deal has, has, has been done. And there, there, there really is this complacency about our industries. Well, it's not a complacency that we share in equity, and it's not a complacency the industry shares. So again, together, linking together, arguing with the producers when we have to, having what I'd call a Donnybrook when you need to, <laughs> but at the end of the day, coming together in common cause. I mean, that's what will keep these industries strong. We'll be a long time waiting for anybody else to care about the industries as much as we do. Yeah, it's very true. It's, it's our livelihood. It's our, yes. it's our work. So. And Brilliant. other people don't understand it. They don't, they don't get it. You know, they no. like all the things that come from it. Oh, yeah. I love that show. Oh, yes, I go to the pantomime all the time. Wasn't that a great film? But, but you know, yeah, that TV series, isn't it wonderful? It's been repeated every week since 1972. <laughs> yeah, but that stuff doesn't come about by magic, you no. know? It's hard, solid graft, and it's financing, and just like any other successful industry. Anyway, yeah. I got on a bit of a rant there. Sorry about that. No, no, uh, rightly so. I couldn't agree more, especially with everything that's been going on with uh, Brexit and performers and everything else. It's, you know, it's, it's stressful enough seeing the, the front page of the stage every week um, popping up with the, with the latest. But um, where can actors find you online? Um, on our website, uh, www.equity. I'm just trying to get the last, but actually .org.uk, I think it is. Um, hold on a minute. I'm just going to look that up because I've got a link to it that I just click. So um, I don't need, yeah, www.equity.org.uk. That's where you can find us. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Flickr. I don't even know what Flickr is. That's why I am retiring at the end of this month. I don't know what it is either. 35 years. <laughs> But apparently, if you go on Flickr, there we are. <laughs> we, we've got we've got people who look considerably younger than me who know how to operate that kind of stuff. You know, Flickr. So that, Flickr. Well, that's the, that's what I'm going to be doing the rest of the day. Have a look, find out what Flickr is. <laughs> yeah, you got to Google Flickr. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much. Honestly, I can't thank you enough. I think people are going to get so much value from this. Um, I really appreciate what you guys are doing over at Equity. Anyway, um, certainly for me, uh, I have 
I used you guys when um, when I was acting, when I was deliberating a tour contract over money, whether it was, I was being, if I remember correctly, I was being paid 50 pounds a day and we were supposedly doing up to six hours driving as well. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was certainly sorted out from, from my experience anyway. So that was really good. Good. Um, not that the company's uh, around anymore anyway, but, you know, one of those things, isn't it? Um, but, yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, like I say, I really appreciate everything that you've shared with me today. And I know that all of the actors who are listening are going to also appreciate it. Wow, guys, what an incredible episode. Thank you so much to Stephen Spence and for the Equity team. You guys are doing such a fantastic job. So if you haven't already, I think it is crystal clear about the fact that you need to head over to equity.org.uk and grab that equity membership. They are there to help you. They are there to protect you. So do take advantage of what is being offered. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in with me today. If you haven't already, head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to check out the rest of the episodes. Like, share, subscribe. And that's it for me. So I look forward to seeing you all next week. Bye-bye.